and welcome in to Maroon and Bold. I am your host, Austin Chastain, also your sports editor for Central Michigan Life. Alongside me in the Zoom call is Christian Boer, staff reporter at CM Life. Uh, Christian, how are things going for you, man? Going well, man. We're doing all right. You know, we're back in the swing of things at school. You can't really ask for a better situation right now. Right on, man. Um, well, glad to, glad to hear things are going well for you. Um, yeah, that, that, uh, that pace of, uh, getting back to it, getting back to the, um, getting back to school. That's, you know, it's kind of fun and also is kind of stressful. So yeah, just kind of managing all of that. It, um, not easy, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Um, this week's episode, we're going to talk about coaches because last week we talked about the players. Uh, our top five players in CMU history. This week, we're going to do the coaches, kind of rounding out our little Hall of Fame series, if you will. Um, but before we do that, there is a little bit of news that we want to get to. Um, the Mid-American Conference presidents met this weekend. I guess they met on Saturday and actually both on Sunday. Um, to discuss the potential for a football season. Um, initially, it sounded like that it was a done deal um, from what some what I heard from some point, what we heard from some people, um, but it was not indeed not a done deal. Um, there is a meeting, I guess, early this week uh, to kind of lay everything out and determine whether or not the uh, the Mac is going to play football this fall or wait till the spring like it had initially um, planned. But with the return of the Big Ten um, and some of the other conferences that had already postponed the season, they're kind of talking about moving away from the spring season and still being able to play in the fall. Um, Christian, I know you're you're a little bit more on top of this than actually I am. So uh, what um, you know. What are some of your thoughts, um, and what, what are some of the things that you're you're hearing um, about the potential return to action? Yeah, I think that there's a lot of optimism surrounding the chance of a fall football season right now. I think that a lot of people think that this is something that can happen. Um, you've seen it done now for two or three weeks at the college football level. You've seen teams be able to to execute playing, you know, the off chance that somebody does test positive or a bunch of people get, get you know, on the no playlist because of contact tracing. Teams are able to have guys step up. You know, it's something that I think that, you know, the, te- the early conferences like the Sun Belt and some of the Division Two or FCS schools that have decided to play a season have kind of set the standard like, okay, this is something we can do. And now, you know, you saw the Big Ten flip the script. And I think that the MAC, the Mountain West, and the Pac-12, the three uh, conferences that aren't playing right now are all kind of kicking themselves because, hey, this is something that can happen. They're proving they can do it. And now I think the MAC especially wants to get back on that bandwagon and um, try to play some football. Right, And the MAC was the first, if you guys remember, uh, going back to August, the MAC was the first to cancel this, to, I guess, postpone the seasons, the correct terminology there. but. Um, 
the MAC was obviously the first FBS conference to postpone the season. Uh, the Big Ten and the Mountain West and the Pac-12 all followed suit in uh, following days. Um, now it, it's just interesting to to you know have the potential for um, for the MAC, you know, that first conference to make the call to kind of backtrack and and uh, make the decision to go ahead and play football. Um, and of course, we'll 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 stay on top of that and provide all the coverage that we can on that for you guys. Um, and uh, going forward, you know, we'll just kind of we'll kind of think about what what a potential uh, you know what the fall season would bring, or kind of keep thinking about the spring season um, in terms of Central Michigan and and what the Chippewas are going to be able to do. Um, and in e- with either way, either whether they play in the fall or they play in the spring, we'll make sure that uh, we stay on top of the Chippewa news for you guys. That said, I think we're ready to jump into um, the top five list of, of coaches in CMU history. Like I said, rounding out the Hall of Fame series, if you will. Um, so I've got my five. I've actually got quite a quite an. Ex- extensive list in the honorable mention category and then there's also a fan vote that a little bit of a fan vote and then obviously christian has his list so that said christian who's your number five um this one might be kind of a uh kind of surprise but and it's this this name here narrowly uh edged out a couple of other people because of what she's done for the not just the team that she coached, but also the program as a whole. My number five is Christy Fries. She's a field hockey coach for a long time here. Um, and now, actually just this past year, they named the field after her. But after retiring as the head coach, Christy moved into the athletic department and served a you know handful of roles. And, you know, she was an ambassador for the program. She was a Title IX ambassador. Really did a lot of work. Uh, for Central Michigan and for women in sports in, in general. And so I think that, you know, her contributions to the university land her this number five spot on the list. I think that she's done a lot for this university. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, actually, uh, Freeze was was on my list uh, at first, but kind of shifted some things around. So, that no, that's a, that's a really good pick. I, I agree with that for sure. Um, like that pick a lot. Uh, jump over my number five, uh, Dick Parfit, uh, legendary men's basketball coach, uh, 1975 MAC Coach of the Year, uh, won actually three MAC championships as a coach, and had actually some success as a player in the in the 50s as well. Um, mem- 1990 member of the CMU Hall of Fame, um, went 192 and 179 uh, in 14 seasons. Uh, leading the Chippewas, beat Georgetown in the 1975 NCAA tournament and subsequently lost to Kentucky in that second-round game, uh, but beat Oregon State in a third-place regional game, which is a little bit um, uh, not a little bit different than how we know the NCAA tournament now, but um, when, uh, when, you lose, when you would lose, uh, you would be able to, I guess, secure a third-place finished within the region. Um, so they beat Oregon State in that 75 NCAA tournament. Um, and as a whole, uh, under Parfit, the 
Chippewas made uh, two NCAA tournaments and an NIT in 1979 with a first round loss to Purdue. So, and, and the practice gym as well is named after Parfit. And he, he has, uh, he, he has, he's, his, his, I guess, legacy is kind of like Christy Freeze, but it's kind of scattered all throughout campus, especially, especially within the athletic department. So um, that's why I, I picked uh, Parfit at number five. Um, yeah, that's, so that's, that's my number five. Who do you have, Christian, at number four? Well, well um, at number four, I have... Sugavara, Sugavara, legendary women's basketball coach. Um, another one that's done a ton for the program. She's kind of stuck around after retiring last year. You know, she's still around that women's basketball program, still highly thought of within the athletic department. And it's pretty crazy to see, you know, a coach that led her team to the Sweet 16, you know, in that, that Mac school, one of the best teams in Mid-American Conference women's basketball history, you know, the tear they went on and then the uh, you win a couple of games in the NCAA tournament that really weren't all that close. And then obviously you run into the saw that is Oregon's women's basketball in that Sweet 16 game and still play them competitively. I think that that was kind of her crowning moment was that NCAA tournament run. But another coach has just done so much for this pro her program, so much for this university. And I think it's a testament to the depth within this uh, athletic department's coaching staff that a coach like this is fourth. Yeah, absolutely. That's a little bit surprising. I'm I'm really anxious to see who uh who you've got at at uh three through one. That's I'm I'll be honest, I'm a little bit surprised. That's um that is a little bit well, I mean, like you said, though, lots of lots of great coaches have come through CMU. So, Sugavar, obviously, one of them. But number four, huh? That um, yeah, that's surprising to say the least. I think I know who your number one is. Um, but we'll get to that when we get there. And all right, my number four is uh, Margot Yonker, the legendary softball coach. Thirty-nine seasons. Just you know, a little bit north of, of 1,200 wins, uh, best record in, in MAC history, ninth all time in the NCAA. Uh, she led CMU to 13, 13 tournament, um, also 10 MAC regular season and tournament titles, uh, and an appearance in the Women's College World Series. Ten time MAC Coach of the Year, another record, just all kinds of records uh, to her name. Uh, served an assistant coach. Um, in the 2002 Sydney games for team USA and was a gold medal winning assistant coach in the 98 world championships. And she also was just enshrined or inducted, excuse me, to both the mid American conference and CMU hall of fame um, here in, in, as part of the class of 2020. She just retired in 2019. Um, just a couple of a uh, couple of months actually before Sue Guevara did, so that just kind of interesting to see how um, you know those those legendary coaches that are so I guess in the forefront of our memory that um, that retired so close to to one another. It's um, you know a lot a lot of CMU legacy in in both of those women, and um, you now they were retired within I, I think two months of each other. So that's just. Um, wild how that went down. 
All right, moving on. Who's your number three? My number three is Dean Kreiner, baseball coach at Central Michigan D, leading um, the all-time leader in wins with 516. I know that Steve Jackson, who just left a season ago, is second with 507. But Dean Kreiner, a lot of good things for the university. He was here a long time. Um, and now, you know, the, the naming that they did for the field is kind of a little bit confusing because it's still Tennyson Stadium, but there's – now, I think it's either Krellitz or Kreiner Field, and um, it's uh, pretty impressive to see that Dean Kreiner and all those numbers that he has, you know, anytime you could put together a program and have over 500 wins, you know, that's pretty impressive in my book. And so, you know, 516 wins and kind of the foil to Margo Yonker there for a little bit. I know that Margo's tenure is a little bit longer than his was, but to have the baseball and softball program have such good coaches there for such a long time is another thing that I consider to be pretty impressive. Yeah, absolutely. And, and a little interesting that, that they would name it after, after uh, Dave Kylitz. Uh, so Kylitz Field at Tennyson Stadium. Um, and not, not necessarily after the all-time leader in, in coaching wins, but he's like Kreiner kind of that was that guy you'd say that, you know, um, help kind of, kind of like you said, the foil to Margo Yonker kind of helped upstart the, CMU baseball program I would I mean I would think so what, what say you no I I think you're 110% right you know Kyle's had a, an impressive tenure of his own and then you know Kreiner comes in after him and kind of you know does a little bit better so it was just kind of like a chain link fence where passing on to the next guy then passes on to the next guy and then on to the next guy and now they're with Jordan Bischel who gosh after one year that's looking like as good a hire as any so it's really interesting to follow the path of the CMU baseball program. Um, and yeah, it's kind of exciting to see where it's going to go. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh, his second year obviously shut down by, by COVID-19 was, was starting off pretty strong too. I mean, that team was able to put up a lot of runs and, and win, win some pretty big games. Um, so obviously what could have been um, with that team, but okay, I like it. I like it. Dean Kreiner, number three for Christian. My number three is actually an, an active coach still with the program after after uh, 29 seasons going into his 30th, wrestling's Tom Borelli. He is a 13-time MAC Coach of the Year, including 2020. Um, the MAC Championships had actually just wrapped up right before uh, the, the pandemic hit. Um, so not a, they weren't able to, to – go through with the NCAA championship, but they were able to finish up the, the MAC championships uh, right under under the wire, I guess you could say. Um, but 337, 155, and 7 dual record, 682 winning percentage. And it's, it's both, both are the most all-time, and it's, it's really not even close. Um, Chick Sherwood had a really strong record, um, really strong coaching tenure with CMU before Borelli took over, but um, – but Pirelli, I mean, he's 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 the guy. He's he's kind of the he's the staple of the CMU wrestling program. Um, Forty-eight All Americans, ninety-seven MAC champions. A lot of repeats um, in both of those figures. But you know, when you count them out, there's there's ninety-seven MAC champions and, and forty-eight All Americans, uh, including three in twenty twenty with Drew Hildebrandt, Matt Stunzel, and Dresden Simon. Uh, just a lot of 
sustained success. I guess you could, you could put it that way, but, um, you know, sometimes maybe the team is a little bit down, but, um, you know, he's, he's still, Borelli's been able to get guys to, to wrestle the best that they can and compete as, as hard as they can. Um, cause I mean, at the beginning of the 2019, 20 season, um, they were struggling in dual meets and invitationals. And then towards the end of the year, they started to turn around and obviously they were able to, um, win a bunch of, uh, Mac titles and, um, have three all Americans. Um, so that's, um, and Matt Sensel, of course, was was Mac wrestler of the year as well. So just kind of that uh, continued success that that lands uh, Tom Borelli at number three on my list. All right, we're we're closing in on. Uh, I'm I'm excited to hear I'm excited to hear Christian's uh, top two. Um, so let's what let's get to it. Number two, who you got? You've talked about her already, but uh, Margot Yonker is my number two. And I think that what sets her apart, you've obviously ran down her laundry list of, um, you know, accomplishments and achievements and um, accolades. I call them the triple A, you know, but uh, <laughs> she's just done so many good things, really. I mean, and, and to be here for 39 years and now they've got the field named after her. She's just, I mean, it's really cool to see when you go and you see that she's coaching internationally and helping with team USA and then coming back to Mount Pleasant and coaching. It's just one of those things where like, man, it's crazy to think that she's coming out of Mount Pleasant, Michigan and doing all that stuff. So obviously turn the, the central Michigan softball program into a power of its own and then contributed on the international level. And for me, that sets her apart from so many of her coaching counterparts. And that's why I've got her so high on my list. No, that's fair. That's fair. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I would totally agree with, um, with that. Um, I mean, obviously I, I had her at four, but I would agree. Yeah. She belongs at number two. So that, um, she definitely belongs in the top five. I, I can tell you that for free. So, um, no, I agree. I like that. I like that pick. Um, that, uh, that makes a lot of sense for sure. Uh, my number two is actually somebody you already talked about, and we kind of talked about her extensively. Is Sue Guevara? Um, I don't, I don't know how much, I don't remember exactly how much we touched on. Three-time MAC Coach of the Year, winning ex coach of program history with 231 wins, um, won two MAC titles, um, what in 2013, and then again in 2018 with that that magical run of the Sweet 16. Um, beat LSU and Columbus and or beat Ohio state in Columbus to, um, go to the sweet 16. She also has a lot of, uh, professional players, um, that have come through the program Tanara Moore, Cassie Breen, Crystal Bradford, Raina Frost, Presley Hudson, to name a few. Um, Bradford was also a first round pick seventh overall in the 2015 NBA draft. So just the, like you said, the longevity, um, of her success and like what we had kind of said about Borelli too, but um, the the amount of success that she had. And I mean, she was here for, I think 12 seasons. Um, that first season was a little rough, but after afterwards, I mean, she helped put CMU women's basketball on the map and make it, I would argue the most popular sport on campus. Um, 
So, I mean, if you look at it, if you look at the student attendance, uh, just the attendance as a whole between the women's program and the, and the men's program, I mean, the, the women's program has a lot more attendance on average each game. Um, maybe that's a timing thing. Maybe it's just, you know, uh, attachment to the program. I'm not 100% sure. But just from the looks of it, you can tell that the women's program is there, a lot more people are excited about that team. And I think a lot of that has to do with Sue and the success that she, her coaching staff and the players were able to put together in, in her 12 years as at the helm of the Chippewa program. So um, do you have, before we go into number one, uh, do you have any honorable mentions that you would like to touch on? I think that, you know, a, a couple of people that obviously you mentioned that I didn't, Tom Borelli being a big one, you know, holy cow, everything he's done for wrestling, 13-time coach of the year is pretty incredible. You know, that's that's pretty outstanding. And then, um, you know, other than that, you take a look down the line, you've got a couple of guys on the football side of things that um, – that I've done a lot, you know, the, the one I like to point out in particular, Butch Jones, I think he, he's not going to crack this list because he was only here a handful of years, but gee whiz, I mean, a couple of MAC titles, uh, not just that, but they were able to dominate the MAC pretty well in his uh, three-year tenure, tenure as this program's head coach. They lost three games in the MAC. You know, you win a couple of MAC titles, you go win a bowl game, I mean, that tenure of dominance, obviously in football, you know, coaches love to use the MAC as kind of a springboard into the Power Five or into, the, you know, like the Big Ten of the SEC. So he was never going to be here for a long time. But, you know, wow, he really beat up on the MAC. And, you know, you take a look at what's here now. Obviously, these guys are an honorable mention, but it's kind of fun to hypothesize where we might be if we're talking, may having this conversation five years down the line or 10 years down the line. I think that. The one I think is in the best shape right now is um, women's basketball's Heather Osterley. I think that after one year, she's been able to carry on what Sue did and take almost take it to the next level. I think that the next step for that program is to um, kind of dom- dominate an on-conference slate. Get in, get these big-name Power 5 schools in your gymnasium or go into these big gyms and, and beat them, and then that's the next step toward making this not just a major mid-major power but also a national power. And so – I think if they're able to do that, then, you know, in 10 years or 15 years down the line, Heather Osterley is going to be right in this conversation as well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. I mean, and, and her, the success that she had as a, an assistant slash associate head coach uh, under Sue for, for nine seasons was building up to her success as a head coach. And that was kind of the whole plan. Um, you know, when, when, when Sue had hired her, what, I guess that would make it now 10 years ago. I think, I think don't, don't, don't hurt me, please. I promise. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, that was kind of the whole plan. I think was, was to help build up a lot of success, um, for Heather and all, all the aspects of coaching. So then when it became her time to take the program over, it was a seamless transition and and you could see that last season. Um, just how, I mean, and, and a lot of those non-conference games, they were pretty close in, um, you know, the, the Green Bay game, um, the the Louisville game actually wasn't as big of a blowout as I think a lot of people, you know, you take a look at the score, but 
Um, it was actually a pretty close game for the most part. Uh, the Western Kentucky game we won't talk about. Um, the, the Dayton game that they won in overtime, that was, a, that was huge. Um, and then just the rest of that non-conference slate, you know, that's they were, they were all really competitive games, helped them uh, prime up for the, for the max season. And they only lost, I think two games. Was it two or three games uh, in, at the end of the, at the max season? Cause they, they were, they were undefeated until um, they lost those last couple of games. Yeah, it was two co- or season conference season games. Then the third loss was in the MAC tournament last year. You know, the day before everything got shut down. So right. overall, very very successful. You open with 15 straight wins in the conference. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, yeah. I go 16 and two in your first conference season as as a head coach. That's pretty impressive for sure. Um, real quick, I'll run through my honorable mention list. Uh, Christy Christy Freeze. Christian already mentioned. Uh, we're going to go Bill Kelly in football. Roy Kramer also in football. A um, little bit, maybe a controversial one here. We're going to go Jerry Reichard in gymnastics. And again, a lot of sustained um, excellence uh, throughout the years. I think 36 years uh, at the helm, but um, you know, a lot of success there. And Marcy Weston, I mean, she, she not only, she's, she's kind of like, like freeze. She coached three different teams. And has been in, in such a huge part of the athletic department. I mean, the, the Hall of Fame is named after her, after all. Um, so Marcy Weston cracks the um, honorable mention. And that's no, in no particular order. Um, that's just names that kind of came to my mind um, as, as honorable mention. So no particular order there. Um, and real quick, before we get to our number ones, uh, we're going to hit on the fan vote. Um, there was an overwhelming favorite on, on our Twitter feed. Um, but we, but I couldn't quite, uh, figure out a, like a, a way to order it. You know, we're going to from two through five. Um, so number one is, is meant to be number one. And then two through five, um, based on the fan vote, uh, again, that's in no particular order. I kind of tried my best to count a little bit. Uh, but there was, um, it was a little bit of a struggle to count um, exactly how to order everyone up outside of number one. So number five, Margo Yonker, number four, Marcy Weston, number three, Tom Borelli, number two, Herb Duramity, and number one, Sue Guevara, based on the fan vote on our Twitter feed at CM Life Sports. Um, so the fans um, and coaches, I saw uh, Heather Osterley was, was one of our voters, um, agrees uh Sue Guevara the number one coach in CMU history probably way too many to name as I saw some say but um there's our top there's the fan vote top five Christian I'm gonna let you go first I think I know who your number one is and we probably have the same person but go right ahead is all yours yeah we probably do have the same person unless yours is Jim McElwain but mine is um Herb Dramedy. Herb, you know, you you see his picture every time, you know, the 1974 NCAA championship team comes up. Still a very prevalent face in college football today. But, you know, the the contributions he made to this program can't be, you know, you can't overstate something like that. There's just a lot of depth to it. Um, geez, you know, you're, you're facilitating, helping this team come from not, you know, you win a division two championship, but then you take the next step 
and you and you take him to Division One, and, and Herb played a huge role in that. And then you know we spent a little time in the athletic department as well. I think that there's just so many things. Another guy with a laundry list of accolades to really go through, but uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'll save some material like that for you because I'm pretty sure I, you and I have the same guy. I know you didn't mention him in your honorable mentions, and there's no way that you missed him. So, um, yeah, Herb Duramity's number one. That's a pretty easy one. And, um, again, another guy, just a lot of contributions to the athletic department. And the national championship kind of sticks out as what sets him apart from the rest of this highly com- – competitive field you know the emphasis on competition because all these coaches you know you talk to them and you realize okay these you know they they can be good interviews and and kind people but on that field man they are competitors and that's what sets them apart and that's what makes them great yeah you're 100 percent right um and that drive to compete but also kind of having that um i don't want to say you know soft spot but kind of um, being good with people that, you know, that's, that's what all of these coaches do well. Um, but yes, I have Herb Duramity as my number one. Um, I'll go, I'll go through some of the stats. I, I, I looked all this stuff up. So 16 seasons, 175 games, 110, 55 and 10 record, um, winning as coach in program history, uh, inductee into the college football hall of fame with the 2008 class, uh, 90 mid-American conference victories. That was actually just surpassed this past year by Frank Solich at Ohio. Um, and I mean, we're talking, I mean, Duramity retired and I think what 91, 92, I think. Um, maybe no, it was a little bit later than that. Actually. I think I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but um, yeah, he was part, part of the staff for that 74 division two title um, succeeded Roy Kramer as the head coach um, won Mac titles in 79, 80 and 90. Uh, only coach to win a MAC title in three different decades, um, actually, as it stands. Um, two-time MAC coach of the year in 1980 and 1990. Uh, was the head man for the two victories in 1991 and 92 at Michigan State. Uh, you guys can't see it, but we, I actually have a copy of, uh, uh, I guess, a archived poster of the front page of CM Life um, after. Um, uh, CMU had defeated uh, MSU in 1992. Um, he, Christian said, uh, you know, done a lot for college football. He served on the rules committee, was its chair in 2003, was a member of the 2016 college football playoff selection committee. And uh, again, like Christian said, spent some time in the athletic department, 13 years as the CMU AD. So, Herb Duramity, arguably the best coach in CMU history. Um, I don't think many people would disagree with that. Um, you know, obviously the fan vote would, might tell us otherwise, but I think if you ask um, some of the some of the folks, um, maybe not on Twitter, um, who the best coach in CMU history is, I think they would tell you it's Herb Duramity. Not saying that the Twitter folks are wrong. Um, so I definitely, like I said. Uh, Sue Guevara was my number my number two on my list, but other than that, I think um, that rounds out our um, Maroon and Bold Hall of Fame series. So, you know, two weeks ago we had the uh, best moments, best plays in CMU history. Then uh, last week we had all the the best players. So make sure to go check those out as well. 
and then obviously this week rounding out with the coaches. Uh, Christian, you got anything else to add before uh, we wrap this thing up? Not really, man. Just wanted to point out that I think that part of, you know, obviously Sue is a wonderful coach and a wonderful person, but I think what puts her ahead with the, with the fan vote is just how involved she was in the community. And, you know, the, the coffee chalk talks that now Heather is doing, but before her it was Sue. And it was incredible to go to one of those last year and Sue being there and calling everybody by their name and talking to everybody there. Like, you know, she was talking to a friend, which it's clear that that's the, that's the relationship that he, she, or sorry, she has with so many people in this community. Um, and that is something that I think is just the value of that can't be overstated. And for that reason, you know, I think that pick that fan vote pick of Sue being number one is 110% justified. Really. I, I do. I think that that is, 110% justified. Obviously, I think my criteria was a little bit different, but you know, when I see that, it's kind of it's kind of easy to tell. Um, the, you know, those people that are voting for her all probably have had multiple conversations with Sue just because she's so open and so kind and just so friendly. And and that, I think that's part of the reason what set her apart um, in the fan vote. But other than that, man, I ain't got anything. This has been a fun thing to do and kind of cool to recap the history of this athletic department. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Uh, you know, in a little bit that uh, I got to meet Sue a couple of times and and uh, cover the team in 2019. Um, you know, she, she was always really nice to me, and, and same thing. She always called me by call everybody. I mean, everybody by their first name, which was really really cool. Um, and she was not afraid to call you on your bullshit if you uh, if you did something wrong too. Um, at, you go if you go back and watch the video um, on our CM Life Facebook page um, of her retirement press conference. She, she called me out. She was like, hey, we, we had seven wins my first year, not six, but we had the best seven-win team um, that I've ever had. And there was a lot of people there that, that heard that. So um, appreciate, uh, I definitely appreciate that one because it, it um, makes me think, okay, I got to make sure double check everything make or I guess triple check everything make sure I get it right so good learning lesson there so thanks for thanks a million for that Sue I, I actually re, you know I, I really do appreciate that I'm not I'm not just like oh I appreciate it. no I really do appreciate that um but yeah I think um yeah like 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 Christian said I totally agree um you know Sue was very um and she's still very in, engaged with the CMU community she's at a lot of the games chain the team on um, so yeah, I hundred percent agree actually, um, with all three of our lists here. So, um, yeah. And like Christian said, this was a lot of fun to, you know, put together the last couple of weeks. Um, obviously we're still trying to, um, find, find some things to talk about cause you know, hopefully, you know, honestly, hopefully there's, there's some football to talk about here, um, in the next week or so, but you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. And, you know, we thank you guys so much for uh, your patience following along with us. Um, make sure uh, you follow, keep following along with us uh, at cboer underscore for Christian's Twitter, Chastain AJ for mine, um, CM Life Sports on Twitter, at CM Life on Twitter, uh, Central Michigan Life on Facebook, like I had mentioned before. Uh, and as always, cm-life.com for all of your Chippewa sports coverage and coverage around CMU. Uh, 
other than that, guys, last, like I said, thank you again so much for listening, for watching, and for following along with us through this semester. We'll talk to you guys again when we meet again.